I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empowered to Connect podcast. Greetings, everyone, and joining me once again on the podcast are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. wanted to have y'all on so we could talk about, well, an email that we got from a listener. Uh, Ryan and Rebecca have sent us an email asking for some help. So this is what they had to say. We have a seven-year-old son adopted at a year old. We've always struggled with him sneaking things. And they give some examples, such as taking things to school in his shoe, pockets, uh, things that he knows he shouldn't, or taking items like gum or food without asking. And they go on to say, we feel like underlying the behavior is a fear of deprivation or a fear of being told no. We've been listening to your podcast, and we're curious how you see foster adoptive families successfully address sneaking as behavior. Any advice you can offer will be greatly appreciated. So how can we help Ryan and Rebecca out? Well, I'll be interested to hear what you and Kayla have to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I, too, can address sneaking behaviors with my children. (laughs) Well, I think that one of the good things that is that they're already looking at what is the need uh-huh. behind the behavior? What's the need behind the behavior, right? They've already, they've already got that piece down. They're already looking at it and going, they're okay, well, detectives. We, we think this is what it is. Yeah. We think this is why they're doing it. But then you have to move past the, okay, so now we know why they're doing it and how can we proactively mm. help them get through that, right? So um, if you think it's a fear of being told no, then dig a little deeper into that. Are you saying no a lot? Mm. Or is there a legitimate reason why you might say no to these things, mm-hmm. right? So is the child trying to sneak their pet hamster in their backpack, <laughs> right. you know, to take to school? Which is a definite no. <laughs> right. But could you turn some of those things in, make it a teachable moment and say, hey, you know, your, your hamster would get really, like, scared and mm. sad in the backpack, would you like me to bring your hamster up there for show and tell someday? Mm. I mean, I could, ha- I could bring him up there. Let's talk to your teacher about it. Right. And so addressing them, not in a, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? You know, you're not supposed to do that kind of way, but addressing them in a way that says, wow, you know, you really want to show your friends this, you know, I think to some extent, some of these things are developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. because all kids are like, well, I'm sure mom wouldn't want me to do this, Mm. but I'm going to do it anyways kind of thing. But I think if you do really feel like there is a fear of being told no, then looking at your own, how much do you tell your kids? No, Mm. you know, could we up the yeses in our house? So that they, we say yes to, what are some other yeses we can give them? Are there, can we look at, okay, what's going in our backpack? Is there something else you'd like to take to school Mm. and maybe proactively asking about those things? That happened with us, with one of our kids. He, he wanted to take his iPad to school. We're like, (laughs) right. (laughs) But he snuck it anyway. Yeah. And so that doesn't sound like kids. (laughs) (laughs) And so it, you know, the conversation that we ended up having with him was, you know, hey, buddy, you know, if you take this to school and it gets broken, it, it's broken and you won't have it at home anymore. And, you know, it's it's also, you know, kind of disruptive and disrespectful for, you, you know, to do it in class with your teacher. 
Right. Um, and it, we, we took it all on those lines. And then we said, you know, could we, we, we offered a compromise, basically. You know, we offered it without him asking, you know, is there something else that you could take? Hey, how about some of these uh, uh, Pokemon cards? You can take a small set right. of these instead, right. you know, put them as a black bag you know, so they'll be protected, that kind of thing. And lo and behold, we haven't had problems with iPad going to school anymore. So Yeah, because I think sometimes our kids are taking things because they want to show off their cool uh-huh. things. And so they think they take things that are inappropriate to school or to church or whatever, things that you're like, well, those are really valuable. Mm-hmm. They would and the be teacher's going to confiscate it as soon as they see it, right, too, right? So. Right. And they would be perfectly fine taking something else if you just were to help them come up with an alternative solution. Right. Right. I, I like that you uh, pointed out that some of these things are developmentally appropriate because I think one of the traps that adoptive and foster parents fall into is when the child has any kind of behavior that they uh, don't understand or are struggling with um, they they try to immediately connect that to the fact that they're in foster care or the fact that they were uh, adopted. And not developmental. And, and, and yeah. just completely lose sight of the fact that it might just be developmentally appropriate, right? So I know they don't mention the taking a hamster to school <laughs> uh, in their email, but that's a good but that's a good example in that uh, kids want to, there's a certain age range of children where they want to take their stuffed animals with them everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's because their stuffed animals are real people to them, mm. right? They've, they've, they've personified them. They've given them people qualities and the reason that the kids want to take uh, and somebody explained this to me an older wiser parent many years ago when our kids were little explained to me that um it's not because the kids want to take the stuffed animals with them because all of us remember those times when the kids are just freaked out when we told them they couldn't bring their stuffed animals or their stuffies as our children call them mm. um, with them it's because they're afraid that their stuffed animal is going to miss them when they're not there. Aww. Right? Because it's a person to right. them. Right. And so if our kids are sneaking things like that bring them comfort, uh, we, we have to remember that part of that developmental thing is that they do personify everything that's that's inanimate in their lives at some point. Mm. And so that's part of that developmental. Because I remember being a kid where I just didn't like being separated from my stuff, whether it was like just some kind of like, because it's easy to see, okay, this is bear that the kid thinks is like a, a person. But like my stuff, I don't want to be separated from my bicycle and, and things mm. like that, right? Um, so I, I think that it's key to to just remind people that sometimes you might just, just take a breath, and mm-hmm. it just might be what, and I don't remember, oh, you're the seven-year-old son, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just might be completely appropriate for the seven-year-old, and, and maybe because he wants to show off his cool things, but it also may be because it's just something like they feel like they don't want to be separated from. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's important to note that the parents who who have success with connected parenting are those that are willing to be flexible, and those that are, are, are able to think on their feet pretty quickly because not every situation requires you to say, no, you can't do that, right? What's the big big deal sometimes? And sometimes, yes, you have to say no. There's right. no doubt about that. Yeah. Absolutely no doubt about that. But sometimes you can just take a step back, take a breath and go, can we figure out how to make this happen? Because what I would say from our experience is that um, it's it's the old pour sand in somebody's hand and then ask them to clench your fist mm-hmm. and the tighter you try to hold onto the sand the more of it oozes out between your fingers that at some point um, going okay do we have to say no um, 
and if and if and if and I, and again, I don't know the specifics. You don't know more than what the email said, right? Okay, but from our experience, when you kind of go counterintuitive on this stuff, um, the sneaking behavior stops. Mm. A lot of the time, when you make some decisions, that that behavior isn't actually sneaky. Mm. You know, what I'm saying that you you empower the child, you give the child the power to ask. It's amazing what happens when you give a child a little bit of power. Well, that's like what Kayla just said a minute ago. When you give them more yeses in other areas. Yeah. Then this, you might see the the behavior in this particular area change mm-hmm. because you've you can still say no. You can't right. take that to school, and they'll accept that no because you've given so them, many other yeses. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. an example of that, Chris, is that they mentioned about taking gum or food without asking. Mm. And one of the things that really helped us get over that hurdle in the house was the was the presence of the yes jar. Mm. Because and there's gum in that usually, because they if they know that they're going to get a yes gum theft went down in our house hmm. right. and all adoptive and foster parents know that gum theft is real <laughs> okay but 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 the gum thievery subsided in our house when they knew that every time they wanted a piece of gum not every time like if we were plating dinner we would say okay the yes jar is taking a break for the day right right and we can link to like the videos that explain how the yes jar works and stuff in the show notes but um yeah, I guess I'm just echoing Kayla's point that if we will just keep saying, if we will just find ways to say yes to our children, um, because th- there are there are there are two ways that conflicts end: you put down your gun, or I put down my gun. Right. Those are the only two ways that conflicts end. And sometimes the way that we we change the nature of what's going on in our homes is not by getting compliance from our children but changing the rule structure a little bit. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, they identified that one of the things is, um, they think that's underlying behavior is a fear of deprivation. So maybe this is a kid that struggles with food Mm -hmm. and maybe they're taking food from home to make sure they have enough food at school. Mm. And that's a really easy one to proactively say, Hey, we're going to put this in your backpack. So, you know, you always have this in your backpack Or I'm going to give your teacher a box of granola bars. And if you ever need something to eat, if maybe I didn't send enough in your lunch or things like that, you know, your teacher always has some for you. Mm -hmm. And I'll let make sure your teacher, you know, lets me know when it's running low or things like that. And so being able to proactively go, okay, you know, this kid really struggles with food. You know, maybe you do have to have, you know, a basket of fruit that's always available without them having to ask, mm-hmm. right? They can always have fruits or vegetables. You know, at our house, that's, I mean, my kids ask because I like to be able to tell them yes, mm-hmm. but they know that fruits and vegetables are never off limits. You can always have fruits or vegetables, mm-hmm. right? Those are always available. Um, and the stuff in the yes jar is always available. And there's always some sort of a healthy snack in there. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we have to be sensitive to kids that have some, maybe some food issues going on, and it's easy to look at this kiddo and say, oh, you know, we adopted him at a year old, man, that's a whole long year that he may not have gotten those needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, not to and mention not able to verbalize the needs. Right. And, yeah. and his body remembers that mm-hmm. deprivation, even if his mind can't. And even if you're looking at it going, but for six years, I've given him food three times a day. I've given him and snacks, snacks in right. between, you know, and it's hard to kind of see past that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've had kids that have been with us longer than that, that have still snuck food 
when things got really stressful, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we'd think we were over it and then all of a sudden some new stressor would come out and all of a sudden they're sneaking food again. So mm-hmm. I think looking at that, you may see that it kind of goes away for a time and then it comes back. You know, we, um, we have one, well, multiples of ours who really like sweet things. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's anything sweet in the house, we find wrappers crammed underneath <laughs> things and behind things. And, um, in the little um, piece of furniture that's on, up behind toilets in bathrooms. Right. And I mean, just we keep toilet roll really weird I places. I found a granola bar wrapper in there on the weekend. Yes. We had our refrigerator <laughs> repaired today and the guy pulled the refrigerator out and I was like, gross. I mean, there were so many candy wrappers that had just gotten crammed behind the refrigerator, right? <laughs> He's and probably so, seen worse things behind refrigerators, I, I'm sure. I'm sure just he on the has. upside, they were sneaking candy. So, right. Um, so one of the things that that we limit in our house is candy because it's not something that we are going to have readily available to kids. And our kids know that, which is why they want to sneak it because they know they're probably not going to get a yes every time they ask for candy. (laughs) And so they're going to sneak it. So I have two choices. I can keep it, get mad at the kids for sneaking it, or I can not keep it in the house unless I'm willing to share it with them. Right. Right. I mean, um, you have to set your children up for success. We have to right. set them up yeah. for success. Exactly right. So if your kid has a struggle with one particular thing that's not healthy, mm-hmm. that they're sneaking, then maybe you just can't have that in your house. Right. right. I mean, I can't keep marshmallows in our house because inevitably they will have a finger hole poked in them and all of the marshmallows will be eaten <laughs> and the empty bag will be left in the pantry. So marshmallows are a special treat and I know they're going to be gone as soon as they're in the house, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, I will get them in the, in the winter time for hot chocolate Mm -hmm. and when they're gone, they're gone, you know? And so the kids are usually are better about it because I've usually got hot chocolate. So they're have it in the hot chocolate and they don't want to eat it. But I mean, there's just certain things that I know we can't have. Mm -hmm. So when we get Halloween candy or Easter candy, I just know that I'm going to have to dole out the candy or I'm going to have to throw away the candy because they're going to eat it either way. Yeah. That's a big thing in our house. Halloween candy. Yeah. If we kept it all, that's all they would eat. Yes. And so it's kind of like, okay, you get this little much out of your pile, and then the rest just goes off to one of those dentists that gives money for the pound of candy that you bring in. Yes. Or mom and dad. Or mom and dad eat it when they go to bed, and then all of a sudden it disappears. You know, (laughs) last year I, I took. All, I bagged up all the extra candy that we had from Halloween. I took yep. up this dentist here in town that does that and got like, you know, $9 or something like that. Well, that's perfect. Each kid got three bucks. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. You know, like it's not what I spent on all the candy and the Halloween costumes, but who cares? Right. It's out of the house. Right. But, but here, the house. here's the thing, though, um, because one of the things that we hear from people a lot is kids sneaking uh, food up to their their bedrooms. Yes. And and so and so that's, that's legitimate because uh, then you end up with... Um, maggots rodents. eventually and rodents. Yes, yes yeah. it, it's, it's, it is amazing how if you will leave half a sandwich in a bedroom, somehow a rat will grow <laughs> and eat it. Um, and that's real. Is that I mean, how that, rats it, grow? It, Interesting. It, it is for purposes of this illustration. <laughs> so, um, but one of the things that, that parents who've struggled with that, uh, we fortunately haven't had many struggles with that. Um, that's one of the, the minor sneaking struggles at our house. Um and I think part of that is because we say yes a lot. We've got the yes jar thing, but their parents have told us that they do the, like Kayla mentioned earlier, like this little basket of things and you can have anything from it whenever you want. Mm. Um, and then you kind of just remove the need, the need to sneak. Because now mm. what gets sneaked in our house is candy. 
because mm-hmm. it's ironically the thing they have the least access to. Right. Right. Nobody sneaks cucumber slices to their bedroom. <laughs> or because, bananas. Because they can get it whenever they want. Right. There's like 40 bananas on the count, on the kitchen counter in our, in, our, um, in our kitchen. And by Saturday morning, there'll be no bananas. <laughs> like Kayla never makes banana nut bread because bananas never the get... Bananas never last, right? They never get to that step of ripeness in our home. And she's, she makes her grandmother's recipe. It's delicious. But it's been years since we've had banana nut bread in our house. Yeah, and I, I think the sneaking behaviors can be really frustrating, mm-hmm. especially when you feel like you're saying yes a lot right. and you're like, I would have said yes, yeah. but why didn't you just ask me? Why didn't you yeah. sneak it? You know, And so for some of our kids, we, we have to have a real honest conversation and just say, look, this is a real struggle for you. you know, with one of ours, I just said to him, I said, you know, bud, I said, you have a real sweet tooth. And you love sweet things and you're looking for sweet things. And I said, so what I'd like for you to do instead of going and opening a bag of chocolate chips that I had gotten to make cookies and eating half the bag, can you just say, mom, I really am having a sweet craving. Is there something I could eat right now? And just kind of giving them that voice that it's okay to say, mom, I'm just really need something sweet right Mm -hmm. now, you know, and it takes a while. That's not a kid that's been home for six months. That's not a kid that's been home for even a year or two, but for kids that have been home for a long time and that really you've developed a pretty safe relationship, you know, a trusting relationship with, Mm -hmm. I think we can say to those kids, you know what? Sometimes it's really hard and just empathize with them a little bit and kind of give them that, you know what? It is hard. Sometimes you really want to take your fun toys to school, right? you know, but we can't take all of them and here's why. And kind of like we talked about earlier, like explaining that this is valuable. Like you said with the iPad, like it, mm. it could get broken. It could get, I'm not just saying no, because I'm trying to be mean. Right. I don't want you to take this for your Explain friends. Explain why you're saying no. Yeah, yeah. Give them, give them some, some explanation to it and don't just go, you can't take it because I said so. Mm. Right. Well, I think, I think that it's really valuable when you say, you know, um, looking your kid in the eye and say, Hey, I know this is hard for you. And explaining how you know that it's hard for them because what that does is that then gives them the tools to actually think in those terms mm-hmm. because they're not thinking of it in those terms because we've been doing this for a long time and my 14 year old son recently came to us and said hey I need you to know that this was hard for me mm. and um, we can get into that story in another time I guess if we want to but just to know that after him fighting it and after him just being really difficult around a certain certain day, um, he he, come, he has come to terms with understanding in terms of this is hard for me, which then triggers him to understand, start thinking about why is this hard for me. Mm. And he's now able to verbalize why he struggles with some things. And it's because for the last five or six years, we've been saying things like, hey, bud, I know this is hard for you. Mm. I get that this is hard for you. And instead of just like coming down and, you know, like like most of us were probably raised, it was just like laying down of the law. Right. You're doing because right. I said so. Right? Yeah, we're we're yeah. being we're 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 being empathetic, and and he and he and he and he latches onto that compassion and it's allowed him to think about himself differently, which builds connection. Exactly. So you know, we talked. Um, you know, food's hard though. Yeah. I mean, there there is there is there is evidence that if you have been hungry early on, you may always struggle with food. Mm. You may never ever come to terms with food is readily available. Right, and so uh, we we're committed to to talking about Bessel van der Kolk's book, and this we've discussed the body keeps score, right? Which um, 
which even the people who wrote The Connected Child will tell you that The Body Keeps Score is a book that if you're dealing with anybody who's experienced any kind of trauma, you need to read that book. Mm. Because it helped, it helped me understand this simple thing. The body remembers what the mind forgets. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have any memories of not of going hungry, your body will, will have coded that you were once hungry. And it's interesting though, uh, Chris, that it's not just it's not just humans whose body keeps score. And this is how I know that the body keeps score because there, there are these examples of other mammals who, who, who like remember traumaversaries. Mm. Here's an example. Um, two days ago was the one year anniversary of one of our dogs dying. And for about six months after she died, um, we had two dogs that were close in age. Uh, the other one would lay on the spot that she died every mm-hmm. night. And then she stopped doing that and she'd come back into the living room. Uh, Valentine just you know, passed away in the wee hours of the morning on her doggy bed in the entryway of our home. Mm. It was the anniversary of her passing. Do you know where our other dog slept the other night? No. On the spot where her friend died. Mm. She hadn't slept there for six months. Wow. But the dog who cannot read a calendar <laughs> and does not have a watch, that dog's body mm-hmm. remembered the trauma. And so we have these, we talk about trauma versaries with our kids. Mm. And I don't want to get off into that too much other than to say that even when our kids have no memory of not having access to food and only have memories of having three meals a day, snacks every two hours, whatever you do at your house, mm. their body still remembers when they were hungry. And so quite possibly the answer might not be what people are looking for, but quite possibly the answer might be just for you to just have more compassion for your child Mm. than you already have because the food thing might be a struggle for our kids might be a lifelong struggle for them well guys thanks for being on and hopefully we've helped ryan rebecca and other parents who are dealing with these struggles thanks chris thanks chris if you have a question for us you can email it to us at tapestry at irvingbible.org or you can find us on facebook at tapestry ibc if you prefer the succinctness of Twitter, you can send us a question at Tapestry IBC. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from our episodes, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check out the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, empoweredtoconnect.org. Thank you for listening.